And welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Sebastian, how, how was things over in Sebastian land? Oh, they're all right. I, I, I spent last night watching cartoons. That's always good. But I did find a new cooking show that I would describe as being bucolic. If you've ever wanted to see a bucolic cooking show. And uh, it, it's... it's <laughs> so I don't know if you knew this, but... Uh, uh, most Rastafarians are vegetarians and some are vegan, and they call that ital. And uh, it's an ital cooking show, and it's just, it's called Raza's Kitchen. It's just this Rasta, like, walking around his backyard going, like, yeah, man. And it takes him half an hour to make soup. Um, and of the half an hour, like, five minutes of it is him cooking, and the rest is him just talking about, like, the breadfruit or how there's, like, I don't know, birds or something. It's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, you find the the strangest things. You really do. It's it's whatever. I, I just don't question it. Just eat. <laughs> Would you eat mm-hmm. at the Provincetown dump? Would you go for a, a fancy meal or a not very fancy meal at the Provincetown dump? Now, I I I have been tricked before. Is this the actual local dump site for local refuse, or is this a place that just happens to be called? The dump. No, no, it is the actual municipal dump in Provincetown. Likely I would not on account let me, of... Let me sell this to you. There will be dinner is prepared by Chef Jake Hednarski from okay. Prune NYC. Mm-hmm. The dumpster dive meal will come from uh, local markets. There'll be custom damaged plates okay. by artist John Darian. And dead flower arrangements by Garden Renovations Nursery of Provincetown. Okay. Um, all of this will take place at a one-night-only event at the dump. Okay, okay. Featuring your your meal partner, the person you're having a dinner with, is none other than uh, John Waters. So <laughs> now, now oh. your interest is up. The Pope of Trash is offering a um, a... A dinner, a dinner date, I suppose, at the Provincetown dump as a fundraiser. I bet Bruce LeBruce is jealous he didn't think of that first. Now, that's the thing. You had me at John Waters. Because at first I was thinking, like, I'm into hipster nonsense, but this is a bridge too far. But on the other hand, uh, there is no faster weight loss program than Worms. Although, actually, no, I hear Amoebas is slightly faster than Worms. Um I mean, you well, are eating at a dump. Like, you're making I'm a I'm sure face. the chef is not going to give you what, like, you know what I mean? The, the chef will make a nice food. You know what I mean? It's, it's. So, uh, John Waters, <laughs> who was behind the Pink Flamingos, uh, Hairspray, Crybaby, um, mm-hmm. most of which have now been added to the National Film Registry in the okay. US. <laughs> Good, um, yes. He spends his summers in Provincetown and has been known to launch fundraisers for the. A local film society, the LGBT film society. Okay. But yes, I, I would, how much a plate? How much is he charging? What's the <laughs> how much a plate? Yeah. Um, I believe it's an auction. And uh, yeah, oh. the, winning, the winning bid will get to hang out and uh, have dinner with John Waters. The formal dinner at the Provincetown Dump with John Waters. There's two tickets available. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, the top bid right now is 
fifties. So, you know, 1,350. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully it's not $13. That's a, that's quite a pricey dinner in my opinion, but uh, it is a fundraiser. <laughs> you know, it's so, still probably a quarter of the amount per plate of a liberal party fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump into our show uh, and our news this week. We're going to start off in Canada. First of all, there was an interesting analogy. So uh, Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta, mm-hmm. uh, made uh, the following statement, and I'll try and read it. Everybody should avail themselves of the protection of safe and effective vaccines, and that the choice not to get vaccinated is not just a personal choice. It does have social consequences. He then goes on to say, but it's never okay to treat people like that, to stigmatize people in that way. Mm-hmm. In a way, it kind of reminds me of the attitudes that circulated in North America in the mid-1980s about people with HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. There's that. There's this notion that they had to be kind of distanced for health reasons. He has now, since then... Uh, made uh, uh, an apology. He said he made an inappropriate analogy to the stigmatization of people with AIDS. I mean, it's worth saying that people with HIV and and, and in the extreme case, AIDS were so stigmatized mm. that it took, what, 30 years for them to roll back the blood ban? <laughs> like the mm-hmm. impacts of it is, is quite considerable. I, I could see him saying, have we learned nothing from the past, you know, because there are other instances in the past as well, uh, where people with various diseases, uh, a lot of actually sexually transmitted, but still like there have been this record of, uh, oh, you got that, that means you're dirty. Or like, I mean, we do that with lice, you know, somebody gets lice, it must be that they're filthy. No, it means that they live in an environment and the environment is random and chaotic. And like, you know, you can get hookworm the most banal of activities. Like it's not necessarily a reflection upon you. I think jumping to HIV, especially because like there was no treatment and the prevention of HIV, it took a very long time to figure out how to even prevent HIV because it took it, it, it took them years to figure out it was even sexually transmitted. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of unfair in that sense because like the, the, even when they did figure that out, the, the prevention program that most governments came up with was basically like put a quarter between your knees, you whore. And that's not really going to get you far in terms of actual prevention. But like to say that there has been a history around the world of people being stigmatized for infectious disease that's beyond their control. I think that that is fair to say that this feeds into one of humanity's more negative instincts and we need to rise above i think that's Mm. fair i think that's fair i think there is an analogy to the hiv aids crisis in the 80s that can be made Mm -hmm. which is complete ineffective government response (laughs) (laughs) yes but i mean the the you know the government in the 80s to the hiv crisis wasn't just turning a blind eye they were willfully ignorant mm. and doing their damnedest to ignore it mm-hmm. you know the, the thankfully the you know the covid crisis in canada um was not as blindly responded to in the early days i'm talking 2020 you know do you remember 2020 i i do <laughs> I, I also know that there there have been studies actually showing that the countries that reacted the fastest 
that were just like, as soon as it became a problem, it was a hard lockdown and a fast lockdown. And they said it's going to be two weeks and then we're going to go to a soft social distancing kind of situation. They fared the best. And that was uh, like New Zealand did that, for example. They just like, as soon as they found out that there was a, we didn't know that much about COVID, but we knew that it was a variant of SARS. Mm. And they're like, well, we know what to do with SARS. And that is just close the borders. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, you say that, and yet they have some of the lowest rates in the world, and, and it, it was because they reacted quickly. Now, to say that those who have chosen to be unvaccinated uh, are in any way comparable to people living with HIV, mm. you know, pe- the, people living with HIV were treated like the scum of the earth. And I don't just mean the, oh my gosh, there's a guy breathing without a mask on. I mean, beaten in the street you know, thrown out of their jobs, thrown out of their homes. I always thought that was so weird that they would beat up gay men with HIV because then they would risk them spilling blood, which could yeah, impact I know. their attack. It was <laughs> very bizarre. But speaking of that, actually, they 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 did actually have a um, an HIV vaccine developed as of last week. That is uh, when it finally happened. And uh, I, we reported on a little bit. I, I yeah, a little bit Moderna more. rolled out their M- mRNA. Yes. Um, like mRNA. Yes. Oh, yeah. I get there in the end. It's like um, DNA, except with an R. And there's an M before, but the M is lowercase. Mm, no, no, I'm, I'm still, <laughs> it's just no. Anyway, the mRNA um, vaccine for HIV was injected into people last week so we'll see how that goes it's still very early days but we'll uh we are hopeful there was an interesting story out of the uk about hiv actually where they discovered that um the most recent statistics available have straight men heterosexual men outnumbering gay men in the cases of new transmissions yeah i uh unfortunately i learned about this because there was a, a twitter meme of uh, gay men saying, are we going to ban the straights from donating blood now? <laughs> Which is dark humor. That's one of those situations where like part of me is like, I shouldn't laugh, but, and yet you did. I did, uh, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's the Brits are, are kind of famous for their, their dark humor. Well, there was an, an interesting story that I think you might get a kick out of. And uh, yeah, so there were three girls in Birmingham and okay. they wanted... Uh, they have a spare room. They wanted uh, somebody to flat share, to to room, to to you know rent this room in this big house that they've that they're all sharing together. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't have any luck, kind of finding the right person on uh, these various apartment sharing websites that uh, that exist. So they decided to post themselves as a profile on Grinder. Mm-hmm. And they say, room to rent, three girls, middle-age 20s, young professionals looking to fill a room in Mosey Center, modern house, social, good vibes. They wanted masculine energy, but not necessarily a straight man that might, uh, you know, things could become complicated with these what, three does young that mean, women. Masculine energy. Does that mean they wanted somebody to kill their spiders and fix their shelves? Like You that, know what? Sh- I'm not going to lie. Weird you, comment. You know how how masculine Jake is, right? Jake is uh-huh. he's a pretty manly man. He screamed yesterday, mm. or like last week, and I was like, oh my God, has he tripped and fallen? Like, has mm. he slipped and died? Is 
is the cat disemboweled on the front lawn? Like, what what was the cause of this guttural scream? To be honest, it was actually, I think I would have also screamed mm-hmm. because we have a we have a, a an instant pot, and uh, so it builds up all the steam and pressure. Mm-hmm. And he opened the 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 thing for the stream steam to blast out, mm-hmm. and it must have dislodged a spider that was <laughs> on the roof. <laughs> so uh-huh. the spider fell from the heavens onto the instant pot just missing his face uh-huh. and uh, i was uh, summoned to to deal with the the raining spiders uh, problem that we discovered i mean i remember once when you lived downtown i was over at your apartment and then uh, jake was in the kitchen and then i heard him scream and then he walked out into the hall and not hall as in the apartment hallway i mean like outside the apartment in the common hallway near the elevators and he texted you from the hallway to the apartment to say there's a spider in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. One time he left the kitchen, <laughs> went to find the nearest hairspray and lighter, and I had to quickly intervene before we had a house fire because it was it was not gonna not gonna be great. So so there is another grinder news story, and that is the there is an explore f- feature. You must oh, be yes. familiar with the explore feature. Essentially, if you're traveling from one city to the next, you can explore what's happening near your hotel so that when you get there, you get a sense of who's in the neighborhood, maybe organize things in advance, those kinds of things. But it has become a bit of a pastime for certain internet sleuths mm-hmm. to use the explore feature for major events. In particular, for the last couple of Olympics, people have been looking at who is on Grinder in the Olympic villages. And uh, essentially, there is a risk of people being outed mm-hmm. by um, people dropping in with the Explore feature. So Grinder has disabled the Explore feature for Beijing, um, particularly around the Olympic venues, to protect the privacy of these athletes who may want to uh, just, you know, let off a bit of steam, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, uh, well, wait. So it's locals only, I'm guessing. Like, yeah. you haven't disabled yeah. everything. Like, if you are in Beijing. If obviously. you're in Beijing, okay. then you'll be able to see people who are nearby you, for sure. But uh, you can't be popping in from anywhere else in the world just to snoop around and see what's happening. Mm. Yeah, yeah no more snooping. Well, the music this week is country and it is queer. I've decided to spotlight some lesbians who love and country. This is Princess Charming by Ladylike, and we will be back just after this. I finally made it to Friday night, tired of working overtime, heading home to a glass of Merlot when the tire had to go and blow. Could have changed that spare, but I swear I fell in love right there. I ain't no Cinderella, won't be safe on a fella. Damn, I ain't no damsel in distress. While that crowbar was spinning, was like a fairy tale beginning from the Oh, like a knight in shining armor kind of dark 
Heroes never had lipstick on But when where Disney never goes And kissed right there on the side of the Welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. I'm Sebastian. And uh, have you seen what has been happening in um, St. John? St. John, wait, uh, is that the one? In- That's in New Brunswick. Yes, okay. St. John, New Brunswick. <laughs> oh, I... I... That was not a good naming convention. Uh, no, I, I, I uh, maybe I do know. Tell me, tell me what's going on. So the former pride president of St. John, New Brunswick, uh, posted a photo of him um, at, uh, I believe, one of the local, I don't think he was in Ottawa, but at one of the local truck rallies that were happening uh, in the area. And he mm-hmm. posed with the former People Par- People's Party of Canada member Nicholas Pereira um, mm-hmm. in a tweet that he sent out, essentially um, supporting the truck protest and uh, the uh, you know fighting back against the health mandates that are in place. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were upset, including uh, many people on the board who had family members who were immunocompromised, people on the board who had lost loved ones to COVID-19. And uh, as a result of that, uh, Michael Cummings has now since resigned. I have his letter of resignation here. He says, Dear Sarah, who was the vice president at the time, Mm -hmm. please accept this notice as my resignation from St. John Pride effectively immediately. It has been my pleasure to volunteer on the board of St. John Pride for the last eight years. During this time, we have seen significant growth in our festival, each year better than the one before. To our many sponsors, partners, venues, partners, attendees, and supporters, I thank you. I thank you for your acceptance, tolerance, inclusion, professionalism, and most importantly, love. For fellow leaders in our community, I thank you for your work, but know this, cancel culture is real. They will come for you. And when they do, look out. The woke left mob gets what they want and you can't stop them. 
These bullies will lie, share private conversations, twist your words and actions, and run you down. For those of you who watch and remain silent, shame on you. It disappoints me to see the division in our community over the last few days. Those who have begged for acceptance and understanding for years are now the ones promoting division and hate. I stood up for you, but now I'm ashamed of you and you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. I would never treat you the way you are treating me. If this is what our community has become, then I want no part of it. Wish you the best to the organization and are proud of what we accomplished. All the best, Michael Cummings. So it, that went down like a lead balloon with the, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the LGBT community in St. John, uh, New Brunswick. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It seems like the community there did not take particularly kindly to his uh, social media postings um, supporting the, the... So yeah, the, the whole letter of resignation thing, especially if you put it on, on social media, it is a uh, an optics thing. There are bits and pieces of the letter. Uh, I'm not going to say that I agree with, but I can see where he's coming from. The idea that, you know, this is a community that talks a lot about inclusivity, but then there are certain kinds of opinions that uh, are rejected. So the idea of being uh, LGBT and also conservative, there are people who get very aggressive against LGBT conservatives. And most LGBT conservatives obviously are socially progressive and they're fiscally conservative. And people say, how dare you? Uh, you're not welcome to my party anymore. And I'm like, well, you know, they they disagree about mm-hmm. how, you know, the power grid should be run. Doesn't mean they want to strip you of your human rights. Not that individual anyway. There are certain individuals in the conservative party. And then, you know, a lot of the sort of gay conservatives that I've met are like, ooh, but there is that kind of like, how dare you hold that opinion? And I I do find that weird in the community that that is a thing that happens. But I think there's a way of expressing that, that, isn't glib and isn't corny and is harder to dismiss and i don't think this particular letter nailed that tone at all (laughs) but uh i i do yeah yeah not only that but when when you're on a committee you don't really have a political opinion about anything other than the committee you're on generally speaking so, uh, I mean, you do, obviously, you have the right to your opinion, but like when you're on a committee or like, you know, we're here to talk about, I don't know, women's rights or indigenous freedom or something like that, or, or you know, better medicine for trans folks. So when you're in the room, that's what you're talking about. And if you are going to talk about something like, are we going to endorse, I don't know, Black Lives Matter, then it's a conversation. It's not something you run off and do in your own because you do kind of represent the board, whether you like it or not. So, I mean, that much, you know. Well, that seems to be the the crux of the issue here. Was he cancelled or was he held accountable? You know, he was in this position of authority. He was Mm. representing the will of the board. He is the public face of that city's pride community and then goes and attends a a rally Mm -hmm. against health measures. Hard to reconcile your leadership in the LGBT community with these these positions that would seem quite contrary to uh, to to that that position, it seems like um, when the Pride Committee held an emergency meeting, uh, Michael Cummings' response mm. was to resign, um, not to resolve mm-hmm. the issue in a different way, um, but to just uh, um, write uh, blame the woke left mob. Well, I don't really think that's canceling though, because. 
like classically canceling is if people call your place of work and harass them into firing you and call your landlord and harass them into getting you evicted from your apartment or, you know, uh, uh, harass your supplier if you're self-employed or something like that. Like that's like cancellation, at least how it's usually like the, the first case is that lady who made the off color joke and then got an airplane when she landed she discovered she had no home, no job. That that's like that oh, is yes. that is the benchmark for, yeah. for canceling. And if if this guy still has a job, still has a home, still has you know some of his friends, his family are not afraid to be associated with him. That's not really a full canceling. That's just people saying like, dude, you don't represent this board right now. So I mean, it's that that's my assessment. All right, we will uh, let's keep moving along. Now, did you yes, see I did. the TikTok story? Yes. Yes, we talked about it before we started recording, remember? <laughs> yes, I, now I do remember. You don't, don't tell people how the sausage no, we, is we, made here, we've mentioned in the past. Sometimes That's not we how you're supposed stories to do. from each other so we can get the surprise reaction. And other times we do talk about it beforehand. But yeah, basically, uh, TikTok has introduced a new um, policy that uh, if you misgender, dead name, uh, or misgender a dead name, a trans person, or promote conversion therapy, uh, then uh, something will come of it. Um, it. They could delete your account or less. You know, it. I don't think it's going to come right out the gates with just deleting you. Um, but yeah, and uh, I think they're the first. Well, yeah, no, because they are the second. Uh, Twitter has a community guidelines mm-hmm. against dead naming and misgendering. Now, just for those who aren't familiar, um, for all of our listeners, really what they've introduced here is more clear language around mm. not being a dick. And it, it, it might sound contrite, but, but hear me out. Dead naming is where somebody who is trans goes through this major realization or or self-acceptance or you know the penny drops and they aren't who their parents thought they were going to be so they may change their name they they presumably in this case would change their gender identity and or or sex um and then they are they are their authentic selves at the end of it dead naming is insisting on just ignoring all that ignoring this Mm -hmm. person's entire life and saying, I choose to stick with a name that you don't use. It's like being remarried and have somebody insisting on using mm-hmm. your previous married name. I mean, it's far more personal than that. But I think that's a, an analogy people can, can get behind. And it's, it's arrogant. It's obtrusive. Well, I think the most important thing here is if this is implemented in the most ideal circumstances, it'll be under harassment rules. So if it could be that if you're on TikTok and you're doing one of those like, because TikTok has these like little dances and someone does a dance, and then you also do like a little dance, like a response dance, and like maybe you're doing it with your cat, and then you go viral because now you're doing little dance, but with a cat. So of course it's going to go viral. And then somebody messages like, oh, hey, Mike, I haven't seen you in a while. And they don't know that you've transitioned. They just see the face and they're like, I went to high school with that individual. Um, In that case, it's not deliberate. You didn't know. It's not out of harassment. It's just, I recognize you. That's the name that I knew you by. That's a different case. Uh, They will contact you. And and ideally, because the 
the rules that I've been able to find haven't been very clear about whether it's under that or not. Or like, you know, you see a dance and you're like, oh, she's a good dancer. And you don't know that they are, that they've transitioned to he, him pronouns. Um, if you don't mm-hmm. know versus if they make it clear and you ignore that, those are two very different situations. And a lot of places they do account for that. Like even, you know, the, the, some of the most, you know, uh, assertive advocates that you and I have met acknowledge that if they bump into someone they haven't seen from high school, uh, since high school, and they, they get something wrong, they, they, they don't know the new name, they don't know the, the chosen name, they're going to just use the dead name until they get corrected. Um, and it's one of those situations where, like, you get one for free if you knew me before. Um and a lot of people are very moderate and, and, and reasonable that way. And I think so long as TikTok implements this in that manner and does not just bring down the iron fist, uh, I think this is 100% mm. I think it yeah. boils down to intent. You know, if you accidentally refer to somebody as mm. a name that you knew them by before, the key thing mm. here is accidentally. So we have uh, the language from... Uh, TikTok right here in a statement they said they are adding clarity on the types of hateful ideologies prohibited on our platform. This includes their naming, misgendering, or misogyny, as well as content that promotes uh, or supports conversion therapy programs. Though these ideologies have long been prohibited on TikTok, we've heard from creators and civil society organizations that it is important to be explicit in the community guidelines. Uh, When you refer to the community guidelines under hateful behavior, they go on to say, TikTok is a diverse and inclusive community that has no tolerance for discrimination. We do not permit content that contains hate speech or involves hateful behavior, and we will remove it from our platform. We ban accounts and or users that engage in severe or multiple hate speech violations or that are associated with hate speech off the TikTok platform. So essentially, uh, yeah, under hateful ideology, just to further that, ideologies that demonstrate clear hostility towards people. So you could be banned, removed, uh, and have your videos or comments uh, essentially deleted. So that is TikTok. Let's jump to the next song. This is Hands on My Body by Maria Stokes. Hands on My Body by Maria Stokes. Come on over, baby. I bring a bottle of wine. Smoke a little Mary Jane. Start the night right. I've been dying to play I'm turning off my phone I want to do the same Show me that you want me, show me that you want me, baby, hands on my body. Well, it's not like 
there's just something about you, oh yeah, that turns me on. Sebastian. And uh, now turning our attention to Australia, there is quite a complicated story going on here in Australia. Uh, they had a marathon of a session last Friday, uh, where essentially I think it went late into the night on the religious freedom bill. Okay, This would have allowed faith-based organizations, including schools, um, and then churches and workplaces, to discriminate against protected groups so they have protections under the law. This new law would have gone, well, you're Christian. So these protections, they don't, they don't, they don't matter. You can discriminate all you like because you're Christian. It's all good. Um, it was uh, essentially the only limitation was that the statement of belief could not threaten, intimidate, harass, or vilify a person or group. So you could discriminate against gay people all you like as long as you didn't harass them in your statements and uh, as long as you didn't vilify them in your statements um, otherwise you can discriminate against them all you like um, we mentioned last week about a christian school there that was um threatening to expel kids under a new code of contact uh, con code of conduct agreement that they were rolling out with their student body the backlash mm -hmm. led them to doing a bit of a u-turn on that um, this was a really serious bill. It was definitely seen as a way for uh, faith-based schools in Australia to kick out LGBT kids um, and then also to be able to remove gay people from places of work um, where there's faith-based people in charge. Um, it was so heated and controversial that five liberal MPs actually crossed the floor to Ooh. join the opposing political party 
uh, in order to introduce amendments to the bill, specifically protecting um, LGBT students in schools. Mm. Now, the bill passed and it would have gone into the Senate and Scott Morrison, the prime minister, had said he plans on uh, agreeing and, and, and signing the bill. Um, however, the Christian coalition, the Australian Christian lobby, um, have essentially said that these new protections that stop schools from being able to ban gay students um, has effectively defeated the purpose of the bill. So they're going to go back and rethink and, and try it again with a, with a different bill. It is a heinous situation where you're seeing all of these people really pushing for a school's ability to take teenagers and younger yeah. and kick them out just because of who they are um, in the in their school environment. It is it is this reminds me of um what was it three years ago now, four years ago now there was the 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 law school out in BC that had like the purity pact or whatever where you promised that you wouldn't engage in certain behaviors while you were a student. And um the, the consensus that you and I came to at that time is if you are taking public funds, which they were, they were subsidized by the, you know, the, the Canadian federal government, as all universities are in Canada. If you're subsidized by the government, you are at least a little bit a public space and therefore your uh, basic civic and human rights should be protected while you're in that space. And they should not be able to make little pocket bylaws that override that. And I think that assessment works here too. You know, if you're going to say uh, religious spaces, to me, that means like the Australian wing of the papacy or the Australian wing of the, I don't know, the, 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 the oh what are they called the, the the rabbinical school or something like that you know like if you're gonna say no lady rabbis in the orthodox branch of australian judaism then that's your business but now you're talking about workspaces and schools uh that's different that's that's i don't think the religious exception clauses should extend to those spaces because that is different and i can disagree with with your religious beliefs all you want, but like these are public spaces. That's something else. That's saying, you know, now you're you're crossing over into violations of the intent of the law. Whereas, you know, the if you think religious exceptions should exist at all, they really should be confined to the rules as applied to the religious structure itself. So the monasteries, the nunneries, if you have such a thing, the the religious institutions, and by institution, I mean like formal institutions like the papacy or a council or something of that sort. I think that as much as I don't like it, I think at least that makes sense under the spirit of religious exceptions. I think, you know, you have a Catholic school that is partly funded by the state. Uh, that, no, that's, that's ridiculous. I think what frustrates me is the picking and choosing of yeah. when they want to be when when the church and state should be separate and when the church and state should be in bed together. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of a story in Spain. There is, surprise, surprise, a child abuse scandal with the Catholic church in Spain. Mm. Really yep. just add any country where the church operates to the end of that sentence 
and it's probably been a news story. Um, really, it's just an extension of the Irish one because the Irish kind of broke it, and then they yeah. discovered anytime there was a bad priest, they just shipped them off elsewhere. And then they're like, "Well, where did they ship them off to? Argentina." Then there was an Argentinian scandal, and then they're like, "Well, where did the, we ship our people when they do bad stuff?" Brazil. Then there was a Brazilian scandal. Like it's going to cascade all over the place. Yeah. So the um, the Spanish people and uh, the Spanish government are preparing a massive inquiry into just how widespread and damaging this actually is. Mm-hmm. However, the archdiocese in Spain are insisting that you should just tell the bishop because that's the solution that clearly will work. It warranted, it may not have worked for the past 50 to 100 years, mm-hmm. but, but now we know better. So it will work this time, we promise. Um, and uh, nobody's buying it. No, no one sees the Catholic Church as being able to deal with this um, themselves. And anyway, back to Australia here. Yeah. The statement that was issued by Equality Australia on this, and I will read it uh, out, at least portions of it, it's a bit long. Um, it's been a difficult few weeks, particularly for trans young people and queer people of faith, as our lives have once again been the subject of intense media scrutiny and political debate. But in promising news, today we've had a win. Together, our efforts have stopped the religious discrimination bill becoming law, and we hope for good. When our community started talking about the impacts of the religious discrimination bill back in 2019, it sometimes felt like no one was listening. They go on to say, the Morrison government today is reported to have shelved its dangerous, divisive bill indefinitely, after five government MPs crossed the floor and joined Labour, the Greens and the crossbench to vote against the government and in support of trans and gay kids. It's uncertain what the future of the religious discrimination bill will be, but for now, our community should take heart from this incredible result. Every single one of us, no matter who we are, whom we love or what we believe, deserve to live with dignity and respect. Mm. So very powerful words. And uh, yeah, they took a long time for, I think, any kind of momentum to build up against the bill. Now, there is a bill that is being dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. Mm -hmm. I've not read into it, but from what we're seeing in terms of queer media coverage of it, it seems to be that uh, students in schools can essentially say, I have... uh, firmly held religious belief of X, Y, Z. Maybe the world is only 50,000 years old and dinosaurs are only 50,000 years old. Um, And therefore you cannot impose your scientific fact on me um, because I hold this firmly held belief. The worry is, is that people who hold a firmly held belief that homosexuality is wrong will prevent anyone teaching that homosexuality is not wrong Um, in these schools. Now, that's the sort of sense that's being bandied about in the media, but you've looked into it a bit more, Sebastian. So what do you think? I was about to say, that's not what it is. (laughs) So there's five subclasses, and four of them are basically just different ways of saying schools and teachers can't keep secrets from parents. Uh, If the child is in a situation and the parent asks... The student, uh, the the parents and school board can't lie about it. Um, and I I fully support this because like some of the scandals in the past 
from like mentioning the the Catholic school abuses, um, a lot of that was not only children being abused at school, but also being told by the school, don't tell your parents. And basically what this says is that no instructor or principal or anyone involved in the schools can tell a kid, don't tell your parents, whatever. Um, the one in question, the only clause that even remotely relates to something that could be controversial is, uh, oh, here, where is it? Uh, clause number three, a school district may not encourage classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grade levels or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. And I think Somewhere in there, there's something I could agree with, but as it is now, it is very vague and easy to twist into very interesting directions. So first of all, I don't know how they're defining primary grade in uh, Florida. So is it one to six or one to eight? Because grade seven and eight, I think is, because you're looking at ages 12 and 13, and they're probably pubescent, and that is the perfect time to start talking about like, as I mentioned earlier, things like, you know, consent and healthy relationships and it's one to six. Okay. So um, in that case, just if you're basically just saying like it age appropriate, like if a student in your class says, why does Timmy have two moms? And you say, some people have two moms and you don't go into like, and by the way, scissoring is a myth. No lesbian actually does that to like a first grade class. Like, I agree that may not be age appropriate. I, I think this just needs to be expanded in a way where it cannot be abused. I think at its core, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think you're afraid that being Florida and being on the backdrop of Florida, that this one sentence could easily be manipulated to mean more than what it says, if that so, makes sense. Um, Pete Buttigieg and his husband, Chastin Buttigieg, um, I have an interesting take on this. Chastin okay. Buttigieg essentially pointed out that there could easily be a scenario where their, their children goes into school, their six-year-old child mm. goes into school and says, me and my dads did this on the weekend. Right. Is the teacher supposed to hush them? We don't talk about that. You know, is the dad's now Bruno and we just don't talk about it anymore? Mm. Um, and what kind of psychological impact would that have on these kids? where every other six-year-old, their mum and dad, and what they did on the weekend is fair game for conversation, but your dad's needs to be a secret and can't be discussed at school. Okay, but that's not what this law says. It says a school district may not encourage classroom. It doesn't say that it must ban it. So you cannot require that your teachers bring it up, but if it comes up, there's nothing in here that prevents them from discussing it. Do you know what I mean? So people are judge is very much against it. The President Biden has come out uh, against it as well. Um, and essentially the argument is if, if at any age where it is appropriate to talk about a heterosexual family dynamic, mm. it's appropriate to talk about a homosexual family dynamic. Yeah, for but sure. But the challenge is me and you see that as reasonable and sensible, but will Florida... <laughs> and, and yeah, and these legislators and the interpretation by principals and by individual teachers be mm -hmm. reasonable and sensible as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Pete Buttigieg goes on to say he was asked, 
does he consider the bill to be dangerous? And he replied, absolutely. He went on to explain. And the reason is that it tells youth who are different or whose families are different that there's something wrong with them out of the gate. And I do think that that contributes to the shocking level of suicidal thought and suicidal attempts among LGBT youth. Now, he's hit the nail on the head. Has suicide I don't think he has. I don't think he's read this. I don't think he's actually paid attention, to be honest. And now, it's... there's the wording of the bill. And yeah. then there's how politicians in Florida are talking about how that bill will be implemented. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think he's responding to how they plan on implementing the bill and the impact that that can have on LGBT youth uh, in in Florida as a result. Because the bill as it's phrased, and even just looking at the other sections, are underspecified, but not necessarily harmful. Uh, They're potentially harmful, depending on how they're interpreted. But I think there's a version of this bill that I think most people in activist spaces would support. I, I just... I don't know. I, I think it's just because it's in the context of Florida, uh, people are assuming it's it's going to go in a certain direction. But this bill, as it's phrased, uh, I don't necessarily see a problem with it. And uh, because the state is litigation first, if this passes as it is and something happens, then someone can get their lawyer to say, well, according to the strict phrasing of this, because they're really hot on the strict phrasing of the law in the U.S. That's kind of one of the things they're known for. That you could actually use this law to slap down a homophobic school if you interpret it well and if you've got a good lawyer and if the other lawyer sucks. See, I disagree because what this proposed law in Florida does is it gives parents Mm -hmm. of any of the children in that class the ability to sue both the teacher and the school if someone mentions something like having two gay dads that they feel personally affronted by and don't consider to be developmentally um, relevant, uh, developmentally appropriate for their six-year-old daughter or whatever to hear. Well, that's I what I'm talking that, about. That the critical, the critical silencing impact of all of these teachers being threatened with lawsuits if someone mentions they have a gay dad. I mm. think that's going to. I actually agree with people, Rajesh. I think that's going to have a massive silencing impact. Um, Chastain essentially said it forces all of these queer students. Uh, into the closet because they can't discuss it with their teachers. I think it just, they really need to expand on what they mean by age appropriate and developmentally appropriate. I think if they did that, then it would be fine. Cause like, as I said, like if I don't think it's age inappropriate to say to a first grader, like sometimes people have two moms, um, but you don't need to get into the, the mechanics of it. You know, like what, what, you know, what is a, I don't know. What, what is a, an oikiectomy? Uh, that's the surgical removal of testicles as a part of the transition process. You don't need to go into that with a first mm-hmm. grader. Um, if anything else, I, I'm not sure how much they would understand in terms of like what's involved in the surgery. If they're, I don't know, grade nine and they act, ask about that, then yeah, sure, fine. I mean, whatever. I think the only people who really need to know about that is anyone going through that particular process. Well, yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's really relevant to anyone outside of it. Um, We are going to finish on some good news. A couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that the Ridgeland Library in Madison County Library System uh, in that area were having $110,000 withheld by a Christian mayor who essentially said that there are books in the library that he personally 
does not agree with. And mm-hmm. heaven forbid anybody else ever be able to read them. There's um, books so, in every library. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and you're you're allowed to disagree with someone and you're allowed to be wrong. But what about, think of the children, Sebastian. Oh my God. Think of the children. Should we also um, remove Anne Rand? Just any any <laughs> any book that isn't Peppa Pig needs to be immediately removed. You, because Peppa Pig the is the worst of them all. So problematic. Absolutely. Give me half anyway, an hour, I can find a way, I'm sure. So this um, bigoted mayor has essentially said that uh, because he doesn't like certain books that may not be appropriate for children, I don't know if he knows that libraries are quite capable of ensuring certain access to certain books mm-hmm. um that might be a ted talk he might he needs to sit in on um he's withholding one hundred and ten thousand. the furry community have been fundraising for this library as a bit of a middle finger to the mayor they mm-hmm. have now raised one hundred and ten thousand five hundred and twenty two dollars uh five hundred and two dollars um in the last 17 days so yes. in the last two weeks they have raised above and beyond the money that this uh, mayor was holding hostage so nice nice story to end the day on we will be playing out with the other man by Meryl buckley i've been luke smith and i've been sebastian and thank you for listening Or